Well, good evening and a very warm welcome to all of our listeners tonight. Tonight's show will focus on equity of access to nature. And we have two fantastic interviews with Esme Plasencia, the Programme Coordinator for Latino Outdoors on the Mendocino Coast, and Azucena Chavez Huerta, Engagement Lead at the Blue Zones Project, Mendocino County. Before we get started with these conversations, I'd like to recognise the Indigenous people who have, and continue to, act as stewards for these lands. We at the Hopland Research and Extension Centre first and foremost acknowledge with honour the Shokawa and Hopland people, on whose traditional ancestral and unceded lands we work, educate and learn, and whose historical and spiritual relationship with these lands continues to this day and beyond. I'd like to also just mention a great thank you to Ramon Billy Jr., the Tribal Historic Preservation Officer from the Hopland Band of Pomo Indians, and the Tribal Chair, Sonny Elliott, also of the Hopland Band of Pomo Indians, for continuing to work on putting this acknowledgement into practical actions and conversations with us here in Hopland at the University of California. Now let's get started with our first interview with Esme Plasencia. Program Coordinator for Latino Outdoors on the North Coast of California. We had so much to talk about that this interview will be continued in our next edition. Let's get started with our conversation with Esme. Esme, it's a pleasure to have you on the Ecology Hour this evening. Thank you so much for inviting me to this radio hour, Ecology Hour. It's <laughs> to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So Esme, I just wanted to start, um, obviously the folks who are listeners to this show, um, myself as one of the hosts, and you as well, are all excited by the outdoors. And I just wondered if I could start by asking, what is it that gives you a kick of excitement um, about getting outdoors? I just enjoy the fresh air. I grew up in Fort Bragg going to the beach to the ocean and beach days were the way I connected with my family in the outdoors and I just love the feeling of the fresh air the breeze the salt the sun everything just feels so nice like all my all my senses get stimulated and I just enjoy being out there, like, even if it's just for 15 minutes, 10 minutes, however long, I just enjoy being out there. <laughs> That's a, I love I love the way you describe that and just recognizing all the ways it builds into our senses. And um, and then something else I know that we're going to return to a little bit is how it also helps with connections to family and culture. Um, but before we get there. I, I wanted to recognize as well that your passion for the outdoors has now gone beyond just your experience of it because you felt a desire to help others to have that outdoor experience. So could I ask a little bit about what drew you in that direction? What made you think, gosh, I feel like other people, you know, I want to support other people having these experiences um, and particularly, I'd love to hear about your journey with Latino Outdoors. Yeah, so growing up, 
in Fort Bragg. I didn't have access to transportation, so I just went to the places that were closest to home, walking distance. And when I started driving, when I was like a junior, senior in high school, I started going out to more places. And I realized there was more places to go that I had never been to. And that excited me, just finding like another adventure to get outside or go with friends and do something. And when I went to college, I went because I wanted to study photography. At first, I really connected to the land and place with by being with friends and family and people. And I enjoyed the art of photography by the landscape and people. Mm -hmm. And then after just, after working at a summer backpacking camp and just gaining more experience in the outdoor industry that I didn't realize until I learned that there was, it was a whole field of study. So <laughs> I switched my major to recreational parks and tourism administration and throughout just my education, I learned more about access and visitor management, like pro like concerns or issues that are tackled when you're managing these lands. And that made me think about my own personal experience connecting to the public lands that I had access to and what were the barriers that I faced to access those lands and I, the biggest was transportation, um, not having access to information about where to go, like not even not even knowing where to go, um, not knowing where to go because you don't have in that information in your own language. Like if I would, I just think about like my own family, like maybe if they knew about the different places where they could go and they had some type of information like a flyer or just like something posted where they can search up places to go I feel like that would improve like I don't know improve people's access to get to a certain place because you've already expressed that something you enjoyed doing with your family was spending time at the beach but I guess what you're also saying is now you know there were so many places that you could have been accessing but they weren't open to you because there was a lack of information to help you see those places mm-hmm. yeah do you mind do you mind me asking as me a little bit more about um your own family um i know you grew up in fort bragg um but were your family um did they recently move to Fort Bragg what's their experience of um, living in Mendocino County yeah so I'm a first generation immigrant and my mom brought me here when I was 11 months old like just a baby and then she had my brother and my sister and she ended up staying here um, because her visa expired and so Growing up, like she didn't know English, she only knew Spanish and I learned Spanish as my first language. And I would say that this community is really 
safe and just really open to anybody who joins the community. And that's what I think makes this community really great is people want to help each other. And I would say that the experiences that I've had like in the outdoors or just with my family have been really positive because we've been able to go with friends or other people that told us, hey, you should go to this place. Like just by word of mouth, you just hear about new places. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, some of the barriers that were there that didn't allow you to know of the different places, some of that was broken down just by community and the community supporting and sharing information about that. Is that is that right? Yeah. But am, am I also right in thinking it could there could have been even more opportunities for access. Yeah. <laughs> so, Esme, I'm interested from having had that experience and, and the education that you're going through now, um, do you feel like you have, um, I, or you've already mentioned a few ideas like flyers in Spanish in, or different languages or just ways that those, those places could be more welcoming. Do you have ideas of um, what you would like to see on the Mendocino coast that would help um, increase that access to a diversity of different people? Yes, more when there's more community events that bring people to the outdoors, having that information be in their language or reaching out to people directly, like maybe it's at the schools, at the churches, or like at a partnering with a local organization that connects to that community directly. Mm-hmm. That, that those connections need to happen to bring more people outdoors and connect them to leaders who are in the outdoors and have experience with different ranges of fields mm-hmm. and they could just let them know about what opportunities there are to like volunteer or go to a community event or anything that connects them to the different places here on the coast. Mm. Yeah and of course you do live in a a fantastically beautiful place Um, but it is interesting sometimes isn't it to recognize that even if you live right there in Fort Bragg just knowing whereabouts you can have access to public space is, is important for people to feel safe and, and confident um, in, in going out in those areas. So Esme, I'm really interested um, just in learning a little bit more about an organization that I know you, you're involved with, you're their program coordinator for the, the North Coast, um, the organization Latino Outdoors. Um, would you mind explaining to me a little bit more about what Latino Outdoors stands for and and, and how you got involved. Yeah, Latino Outdoors embraces our culture, history, and heritage in the outdoors. And we celebrate it through this community that we've all co-created on our, our programs. We have three. So the first one is Vamos Outdoors, like, let's go out. No, the first one is Yo Cuento Outdoors, which is sharing your story and your experiences about the outdoors. And we have a blog on our website 
called Yo Cuento, like I count because everybody's stories matters and everybody has different experiences in the outdoors. So when we share, we learn from each other. And then the second one is Vamos Outdoors, which is getting people outdoors, getting outside and having connections with other people in the community where we can do an activity that relates to our culture or celebrating our culture and our stories in the outdoors. And the third one is Crecemos Outdoors, which is growing outdoors together. And through the events or through the connections that we have, we're able to grow together in gaining leadership skills or making a networking, like a network connection with somebody else that will give you an opportunity and in, in something that you you would like want to do so it all connects because let's say even just that one event somebody who goes can meet somebody and like let them know about a job opportunity or an opportunity to gain some field experience or this may, that you, there's so many things that you've just mentioned there. I'm, I'm so excited about diving into some of those a little bit more deeply. Um, but, but what you've just mentioned to me reminds me, um, before we met today, I was reading up a blog that you'd written for Latino Outdoors, and you talked about um, an event that you had gone to, that I think it was an Audubon bird count, perhaps. Does that ring any bells? <laughs> yeah. So, and it sounded to me like that event Somebody had asked you along to it. You went along and it was a really critical event in making a change for you and what you thought you may go on to do in the future. Is that correct? Yeah. I'd love to hear it in your own words. Go ahead. And would you explain a little bit about what, how that all came about? It made me think about how we can really connect to our passions, our hobbies in different ways. Like there isn't one thing that we have to do only. And it made me think how we can allow ourselves to be diving into different fields because that was my first time doing a bird survey or just being involved in a in an activity like that like a volunteer activity and I would go out every week to go s- observe these black oyster catchers and I learned about bird behavior how to find their nest or where they're gonna be laying their eggs or how like everything from the point when they they're gonna start their nest to when the birds are leaving their nest flying away and it was just amazing to mm-hmm. have that experience because I going to the beach before I didn't think about it mm-hmm. about oh what bird is gonna be nesting here <laughs> but it just changed my perspective on like the way we connect to nature mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in just exploring that a little bit more too, because, well, as I say, that that seems like it was a, an important moment for you. I think it's always fascinating, isn't it? When we spend some time observing something closely, 
in 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 our in nature which might be right on our doorstep but we haven't noticed it before and then you're sort of your your the scales are taken from your eyes are like wow this amazing story is happening right here and yet i'm i'm just seeing it now um it makes me it makes me think a little bit as as an immigrant myself coming from from the uk um I know when I first moved here, everything felt felt very strange. I didn't know the birds. I didn't know, you know, the places to go. I didn't know any of those things. Um, but you talked a little bit about um, the value of culture and also of stories of people's experiences and stories in the outdoors. Um, we all bring our individual selves to the outdoors with all the things that are layered to make up who we are. And I feel like, so when I have an experience in the outdoors, it's very much tempered by where I grew up and the things that I experienced through that. Um, I noticed in, you've already raised it, um, and it's mentioned in the Latino outdoors kind of mission that um, culture and family are crucial elements in that connection to the outdoors. Can I ask just to um, hear from you a little bit more about how do those things all interrelate, culture and family and the outdoors? Yes, they all relate because through generations before us and even today, that's how we are related to each other in community. We met new people or strengthen those relationships we already had by connecting with each other through our cultural practices and just gatherings like fa family and friends and so it's important that when we are in those outdoor spaces we are welcoming of everybody because everybody does practice everybody has different cultural practices or ways of can they that, that they like to connect mm -hmm. to the outdoors mm -hmm. and so we need to be compassionate mm -hmm. and welcoming to everybody mm -hmm. despite if we may not like somebody else's preference to connecting to the outdoors like i'm just thinking about how maybe somebody their favorite way to connect to the outdoors is just listening to music Mm -hmm. and being outside dancing mm -hmm. it may not be our own and if we're wanting to be outside somewhere and we want to have quiet maybe we need to go somewhere different mm -hmm. and not be like super judgmental or or how would you say, how would you say like no I, 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 I yeah no I understand what you're saying and I think that this is one of the big problems that we actually have overall in this access to these outdoor spaces and these public lands is that um there is this sort of set of rules and expectations about how people will engage with the outdoors that perhaps is still not welcoming and recognizing the diverse ways that people will make those connections and obviously we're always wanting to be respectful to the outdoors but um as you pointed out there are many many ways for people to to make those connections um but i feel like and i think that we see this in the world of 
even like the signs that you see up about and the, the interpretation that tells us about different sites um, that they do so sometimes in a very strict kind of way that doesn't recognize the different cultures. Esme, I really appreciate you um, talking through these, all of these elements with me. Um, I, I love the way the three programs that you mentioned from Latino Outdoors. Um, so you said the I Count program, which focuses on stories. Now, is this something that you have been involved with in sharing your story or, or gathering stories from other people in your community to put out there? Yeah, I have worked on just my own story, but I would like to get more people from the community to share their stories because I haven't focused on that program. Um, but I'm starting to now, every month, I'm gonna write a story about somebody from the community and share it to the newspaper. Um, so that's the next uh, project I have with. Oh, that's exciting. So what was the, so you said that it's not the program that you've focused on so far. Um, what is the program that you felt like is the one that you've been really working on? Yeah, Vamos Outdoors, which is getting people outside through events and different places to get the community outdoors. And so have you had to host a number of events to try to make that happen? Yeah, in the past year, I've led um, 14 events. Wow. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. You, are, you must be very busy. <laughs> <laughs> and can you give me a taste of what some of those events have been? Yeah, they've been guided nature walks, also tide pulling, um, and... Let's see, some guided interpretive walks, mm -hmm. also picnics, uh, hikes along the redwoods. And um, so I have some upcoming ones too, but it's just connecting people to the place through different activities. And I've every time that I lead an, an outing or, a, or an out, like a program, I ask, the people who participate for feedback mm -hmm. of what type of events they would like to see in the community and that's how I I how it is that's how I decide what more outings I'm gonna create based on the feedback that I receive from the community that goes to each of my events and most of your events conducted in Spanish Spanish and English. Oh, fantastic. So they're bilingual events. You, you could show up regardless of which language you have as your first language. Yeah. Thank you so much to Esme Placencia for sharing her passion for the outdoors and the access to the outdoors. There are some important links that were mentioned in this interview and we'll revisit those at the end of the show. But now let's go to a blue zone with Azucena Chavez Huerta, engagement lead at the Blue Zones Project Mendocino County. I started by asking Azucena what a Blue Zone is. Thank you, Hannah. I'm really excited to be here with you today. 
So the Blue Zone Project is a community by community well-being improvement initiative. It's designed to enable people in our community to live longer, health, happier, healthier lives with lower rates of chronic disease and just a higher quality of life. So we're, we're focusing on not just extending people's lifespan, but also making that a really fulfilling um, and rich life, right? Absolutely. So can you give me examples of how Blue Zones achieves that? Um, we're doing this through different methods. You know, um, as an engagement lead, my job is to work with the people in the community to get them engaged in these healthy activities, whether they're through, um, you know, finding a purpose, finding something that you believe in and sharing that with your community, um, creating walking groups so that we could get people outside and moving naturally. Uh, where, you know, it's absolutely free. There's small changes that you're doing every day to get yourself healthier, working on your garden, um, fun activities, you know, walking your dogs, um, the, um, and, and, you know, other things such as uh, doing nutrition classes or cooking demonstrations, um, you know, fun activities like that. And everything that we're going to do is going to be uh, free of cost. Some of the other things that we do, um, of course, uh, we have an organization lead, Ryan Venez, and he works with organizations, of course, you know, schools, grocery stores, restaurants, and, um, you know, the same process, make, finding ways to make things healthier for people um, in our community. Uh, we also have a policy lead who is a Lucy. One of the things that I love is that, you know, the, the work that we're trying to do, we want to make it sustainable so that when we are gone, it continues. So, you know, creating easy ways that we could encourage people to walk, making it more walkable, bikeable, safer for people to get out there um, and working with food policy as well. You know, is there... Um, are there foods, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables available, healthy foods for our people? So am I right in thinking that, um, Asusena, your position and um, the other positions you've talked about may be um, in place for a, a, a number of years or a short period of time, and then the hope is that it's built up enough momentum that people will continue and that there's enough structure built up to keep those healthy opportunities in our community. Absolutely. That's the whole idea. And, you know, um, Mendocino County is already, you know, organizations and people are already doing a lot of this work. Um, so we want to come in and we want to continue to help any way that we can. Um, our, our work, our project is led by the community. So absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I guess the other thing that I, I really heard you saying just then was that this is not about training to run a marathon or <laughs> do something that makes you feel like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so exhausting and I'm not going to be able to do it. But it's trying to fit in more with people's lifestyles. Is that is that right? Yes, there it's, you know, 
the the work that we're doing is based on the uh, the studies done by Dan Butner in National Geographic um, in those original blue zones, right? They found that there were nine commonalities that all these five places had, which we call our power nine. And so none of these people joined gyms. None of these people ran, you know, trained to run marathons. They simply lived a certain way that, you know, made them walk every day, long distance. It was just part of their life. They ate healthy um, because they had their own gardens where they, you know, grew their own herbs and vegetables, um, things like that, that you don't really think about, uh, but are just easy. And so those, that's really what we're trying to do here. Encourage people to walk, ride their bikes work on their gardens, things like that. It doesn't sound too horrific. <laughs> right? <laughs> sounds quite fun, actually. So I'm really interested in this, this, the National Geographic and the study that you mentioned. So there are these places in the world. Can you give me some examples of where these places are that people are living these, you know, fantastic, long, healthy, um, rich lives? <laughs> Absolutely. So I get so excited and I forget to mention some of the important things, right? So some of the places are Nicoya, uh, Costa Rica, Sardinia, Italy, Ikaria, Greece, Okinawa, Japan, and of course, California has its own blue zone, um, Loma Linda, California. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? Yes, absolutely. No, that's really brilliant. I was expecting you to tell me only places that were um, millions of miles away. So that, that's really cool. And I thought so too. Yeah. The time is 7.30pm and you are listening to the Ecology Hour on KZYX. And so we're extracting from these places this kind of hopefully a, a key to us um, building our experience with these healthy, healthy living styles, right? Um, but it's also very much understood, and I've already, in conversation with you, I've already heard this coming across from you, is we're not all equal in our access to those opportunities, either to access healthy food or to access um, walking spaces that we feel comfortable in. Um, I'd love to hear a bit more about how you try to address some of those challenges. Um, absolutely. So in our community, unfortunately, some of our, you know, when we did our community survey, um, some of the concerns that came up were that people didn't necessarily feel safe walking in their neighborhoods, um, whether it was because of the street traffic or other um, reasons, but they didn't really feel safe. And if you don't feel safe, of course, you're not going to get out. You're not going to walk. Um, the other thing is, you know, having uh, uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, having access to that. Not everyone has access to that. We have uh, the farmer's markets going on and they're wonderful. Unfortunately, some of us think that the food is not um, affordable, Right. Um, and so doing things that would make uh, food affordable to everyone in our community is very important. So some of the things, you know, that we've seen and that are happening are community gardens where people could gather. I mean, it is wonderful so that you're able to move naturally while you're at the same time having access to fresh fruits and vegetables and herbs that you grow in your own garden, right? 
Yeah, that's wonderful. You've got the double benefit of that action, the activity, as well as actually growing really healthy food too. Yes. And so one of the things that we're, we're working with or our team is looking at is um, Lucy Bartholomew, who is our uh, policy lead, is working with the, the uh, Mendocino County Food Policy um, and trying to determine, you know, find ways to make it more accessible. And so that, like I said, when we are gone, when the project has ended, those been, you know, those things stay behind. They continue to uh, grow and evolve um, so that people could continue to have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. The same thing for looking at, you know, what's already happening as far as having um, safer streets um, so that people can walk and ride their bikes, you know, working with what's already happening and making sure that they are safer and that those things do continue to develop and be around so people have ways to move naturally. So I'd love to just, there's one thing I would love to mention just on the food side, and you mentioned the farmer's market. Um, you can probably, you're probably more up to date on this than I am, but I was thrilled to find that um, the farmer's market were actually able to offer me um, like a, a, a better rate on my EBT, I think, um, to be able to access more foods. Is that something you know anything about? Because I'd love to share that with listeners. They, they do. And I, you know, I wish I knew a lot more about it. Um, when I worked for Mendocino County, I, I knew a little bit more. I don't know if it has changed, but um, CalFresh Healthy Living, healthy, well, CalFresh has the benefit that uh, they'll match up to a certain amount if you use your dollars at the farmer's market, which is great. I don't know what that uh, match is right now, so I do apologize. Well, here's a quick editorial update. All seven farmers markets that are part of Mendocino County Farmers Market Association offer the EBT match program that doubles the spending power of EBT and CalFresh recipients. You can use this match up to $30 and so the market will match that $30, turning it into $60. Now let's get back to our conversation with Azucena Chavez Huerta. I know uh, that it is. It really is. So the other thing, I, you know, the thing I really want to be able to focus on today, because it's something we're considering um, right here at our site in Hopland, is this um, walking opportunities and natural movement. I, I, I love this phrase that you've used a few times, like moving naturally. So it's not putting our bodies through something <laughs> grueling it's feeling good about moving in a way that we feel comfortable with, right? Absolutely. And, you know, moving the, the walking moai that you're describing or the walking groups that you're, we're trying to start at your site um, are great because not only do they get you up and moving, but they're also a group of people, right? Uh, a moai is a group of people that comes together um, for a common purpose. And this, uh, this term has been derived from um, Okinawa, Japan. That's where it really comes from. And so we want people to come together to be able to social, socialize, right? Um, to encourage one another and to be able to depend on one another when things get tough, 
to celebrate when things are good, right? Um, people that are going to encourage you. And hopefully out of these um, walking moais, that will be able to create long lasting relationships that you will continue to have um, past the 10 weeks that you agreed to walk together. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, just to get down to the nitty gritty, basically the challenge is, well, it's not, it doesn't sound like too much of a challenge, but to get together with a small group of your community members and walk once a week. And is there a, a, a distance that people are expected to walk or a time? So once a week for one mile a week for 10 weeks. Brilliant. It's very simple. Yeah. And it's it's great. We've already have several Moais going on throughout the county, and they've been very successful. Um, they continue to walk together. And not only that, they're also volunteering together at other Blue Zones project activities that we have going on. So that's really exciting as well. And what size is a typical walking Moai group? A moai is usually, a walking moai is usually anywhere from uh, five people to eight. We want to keep them small and, you know, um, so that everyone has the opportunity to really get to know uh, people from your community. And, you know, it'd be great to start a walking moai with your friend, but we really encourage to start it with people that you might not be too familiar with. Mm -hmm. and different ages and sizes and everything, right? So that people could get to know each other. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. And um, Susanna, can you give us some idea of other places in the county? I'm going to talk about the, the beginning of our one here in a minute, but um, what other places in the county have already got groups set up? So we have actually walking Moais in Willits. Uh, we've started one um, but the Rotary Club has just started one of their uh, walking moais um, and then in Willits. And then we have another one that got started. And unfortunately, it's kind of slowed down because people got sick. We're building it back up. We have uh, a family who is really interested in building it back up and they're doing an amazing job. This one takes place uh, right next to the hospital trail, High Elk Creek Trail. Um, and then we have another walking moai that has been going on almost from the beginning when we almost kicked off. Um, and they are still going way past their 10 weeks, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, they're Whereabouts are they? They're in Ukiah. They call themselves the Jabberwockies. Mm -hmm. They're a great group of ladies who walk everywhere. Uh, we have uh, some private Moais going on that are for certain organizations as well. We have three of them going on in the Ukiah area. We have another uh, walking Moai um, going on in Hopland as well, besides yours. Fantastic. And, you know, just to put a plug in that um, right now, if you live in or near Hopland, we are looking for folks who might be interested in joining a walking Moai and uh, Vernon Berdinger, who is helping us to organize that, is going to be the lead volunteer. Um, and if you are interested, feel free to email me at hbird at ucanr.edu. And I will put you in contact with Vernon to um, start the process. We haven't started our walks yet, and we probably won't till later in September. But um, if folks are interested, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, 
just bringing us back from the kind of the detail there, I'm really still, I, I, I find this, this area fascinating and also um, challenging to really, really recognize what you pointed out. You said that there was um, a, a community survey, I think, that, that pointed out that people are feeling um, a little afraid of walking, whether that be in the streets in their community or perhaps accessing you know, other wilder sites. Um, and you mentioned a couple of the things that they were cautious about and worried about. Could, could you expand on that a little bit for me? What is it that keeps people from going out and being able to walk and feel safe? You know, um, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember the details of that survey, exactly what was the feedback um, on what made it so unsafe. But I do... Um, and talking with people, I know some of the things are is um, the speed of cars going by. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, um, and that goes the same for when they're riding their bikes, they don't feel that it's safe enough. Um, sometimes in some areas, um, we're lucky to have some bike lanes in some areas, but not all of Mendocino County has this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, speeding cars are one of the problems. Maybe dogs there, you know, when we were walking in Hopland, uh, you know, the issue of having dogs that get out of their, you know, gated area, and they're very aggressive. So that can be very scary as well. Um, what kinds of things, I mean, I'm guessing that one of the things that helps people to feel safer and perhaps gives them the, um, the, the feeling that they can get out the door and do this is just by walking together in a group, right? Absolutely. Just you're immediately building up your kind of confidence and that feeling of safety. Have you any other tips for people who are feeling like, oh gosh, I just don't know if it's something I could do, or I don't know where to go? Um, I, maybe I came at the, this question from the wrong direction by thinking about the things that worry us about going out but walking. Can you give us some things that actually um, feel safe, like ways that we can feel safe? You know, just making sure that you're walking within other people. Um, not only are you feeling safe, but you know, you're not really feeling that you're walking and you're exercising because you're spending time talking maybe about your day or something good that happened. So you're socializing and you don't even realize that you've already walked a mile. Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, walking with people is always a great idea. Maybe if you have pets, you know, I have, you know, I'm, I have two dogs and you'll see me in the morning or in the late in the afternoon walking with my dogs. Sometimes it's already getting, you know, it's past dusk and it's getting dark, but I'm still walking with my dogs and they make me feel safe. You know, I feel protected with that when I'm not with other people. My dogs really do protect me. Mm -hmm. um, that's another way. And people, you know, who have dogs whether it's because the dogs really want you to go walking, um, but you tend to walk more when you have a pet, you know, when you have dogs. Mm -hmm. um, those are some ways to feel safer, of course, and continue to be encouraged to walk. Yeah, thank you for um, describing that. It is interesting, isn't it? Because I think for every individual, we have our own set of things that perhaps make us feel a bit concerned about it. And We'll also have our own strategies for things that would make us feel really comfortable. Um, 
Am I right in thinking that for the Blue Zones project, you you feel it is really important to make this available to everybody in the community, um, expand it to a diversity of participants? Absolutely. We definitely want to make sure that we're very inclusive, um, you know, from to everyone. And it doesn't matter, you know, your whether where you live, you know, the color, none, none of that matter. Um, we want people to feel comfortable um, joining a walking group. Um, if, if physically you're, you know, you're not running marathons, that's okay. We have different levels. If you want to walk with the children because you have small children and want to help you with them while you walk, bring them along. We could do that. Um, you know, um, we have a walking moai, like I said, it's a private moai, and there's an individual who is who uses a, a wheelchair. Well, you know, that's okay. Come along. We're going to spend time together, get to know each other and socialize, and hopefully, you know, make sure that you have accessibility when you go out for a walk. Um, One other thing, that, that's wonderful. I love to hear those different examples, and it, it really seems like you're creating this inclusive group of people. Um, I'm, I'm also thinking that maybe in some cases language might be something that people feel would be a barrier. Do you see, are you? Are, are there any Spanish language boys um, that might be coming on board? You know, the one in Will, it's, it's, it, I'm hoping for it to be a bilingual Moai. Um, <laughs> the individual who is, uh, who is there, she speaks mostly Spanish. She is, um, she does speak some English, um, but you know, she's not afraid to try. And so for her, I think it'd be a great way to practice her English. And for others who want to learn Spanish, just practice their Spanish. Um, we could also create those moais where if, you know, Spanish is your, your language and you feel more comfortable, why not? That's really, that's fantastic. Um, as I said, one of the other things that I think um, is really important to recognize is for some people, just accessing these opportunities might feel like an expense that they that they can't afford. I mean, I know that you've stressed that this is something you have to pay to do, but just to take time out of busy lives when there are so many things that are um, needing our attention. Um, have you any thoughts on that? I know it's something that you mentioned to me before about making sure that those who have different economic challenges also feel like this is something that could be a value to them. Absolutely. You know, um, if we're approaching it as a, you, if I'm too busy, I work all day and then from work, I go and do activities with my child, you know, soccer, you know, gymnastics. There's so many things that kids are doing now. Right. Um, but maybe during your lunch, at work, you could start a, work, a walking moai. Like I said, you know, you don't have to walk for an hour. Maybe you could walk 20 minutes out of your lunch and work with your, um, you know, with your company to see if maybe you could take a little break and have your lunch before or after. Um, different ways in for people who really, you know, we let's say there's someone in Willits who doesn't live near the hospital and wants to join a walking moai, 
well, we don't have to walk there. There's other areas that are closer to your neighborhood that we could start walking in. And, you know, um, if it's not as safe because of traffic or, you know, look at ways to make it safer as well. Maybe we have to wear the vest with the bright, you know, the, the bright vest that will warn everyone that we're coming. Whatever precautions we have to take, I think we could easily do that for people. Um, and you help guide people through that process to figure out where's a good route for you and what precautions you might take to make sure you feel real safe when you're doing it. Uh, absolutely. We would do that. Um, it, it, I, I think it sounds like such a wonderful project. I think one of the things that I find fascinating about walking is, and maybe this is just me, but I find it much easier to talk to people when I'm walking like maybe just some of the barriers come down. I feel more comfortable, more relaxed. Do you think that's something you've seen in other groups? Definitely. Um, you know, one of our walking uh, groups that we had, we actually walked with one of our uh, supervisors. Uh, and, you know, in, in a more um, professional setting, it'd be really hard, you know, challenging to really approach this person as an individual. Um, while we were walking, you know, it was a very easy conversation to have. And we touched on different subjects and people were really getting engaged. And I really loved that because normally you wouldn't see that. Um, you know, how do I get in touch with my supervisor or my city councilman and, you know, your mayor? And when you're out walking, it's just an easy conversation. Barriers come down, you know. It's something about being outdoors and just having a simple conversation. It's very leveling, isn't it? I feel it like really it is. Like, yeah, that, that's really wonderful. And so I, I'm also fascinated by your journey as a walker, as somebody who's now promoting walking and moving naturally like this. Have you always been somebody who goes out hiking and walking or is this something that's developed over time? You know, um, I really love sports growing up. So walking and you know, we grew up, you know, exploring the creeks and the orchards around our home. Um, and that was natural for me. But as you grow up, you tend to get really busy and you stop doing these activities, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this has given me the opportunity to go back and walk more. Like I said, I've had my, my dogs and I love hiking. One of my favorite trails um, hikes is to do the uh, City View Trail um, here in Ukiah, right? With my dogs, of course. Um, but, you know, when I first moved here, I had no idea that we had such a beautiful trail. Well, I think this is one of the other things that I talked with the other um, interviewee on the, um, the, the show tonight, Esme Placencia, about um, particularly if you, if you move into this community from outside of the area and perhaps you don't know different landowners that might provide access um, or where there are trails that you could access, it can seem that there aren't places to go. And um, it seems like that's another um, area that, of development is to expand as much as possible information in different languages to different communities 
to recognize the places that we can go and walk in this beautiful county. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's surprising to me when I first moved here, I thought, where can I even go? It doesn't seem like there's anywhere I can access that um, I'm allowed to go. Exactly. And so making sure, you know, one of that's one of our goals, making sure that people know that these trails are here and, and making sure that language is not a barrier, you know, um, and that people who want to walk know about these areas. You know, I never, when I went to Fort Bragg, um, we walked this beautiful uh, trail. I want I'm trying to remember the name. I didn't know it existed. And it's free. It's beautiful. You, you know, it's an easy walk. Um, well, you should, because um, I feel like one of the things I promised our listeners tonight is um, some of the hidden gems of hikes in our community or walks in our community. Um, Esme shared with us the wonderful Mendocino Woodlands that, out, that is out on the coast that I didn't even know you could access and just hike there. And it was uh, open to the public. Um, so if, if you have a place that you think we should know about, do, do share that with me on email afterwards and I can add that to the program. Um, just, you know, to finish off today, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners about ways that they could get involved if they're feeling inspired by hearing your, you speak today? Um, what, what could they do to start getting connected? You know, some of the best ways to get connected with us is, you know, if you see us at an event, come and say hello and ask us questions. Um, you can visit our website, mec.bluezonesproject.com. And, you know, it'll have the link to each one of us. Um, we're a team of five. We're a very small team. We work with all of Mendocino County, um, you know, and you could send us questions directly. And also, you know, you can sign up for those events that we're, uh, we're getting, we're rolling out. And if you're interested in volunteering, you know, maybe you want to be a, 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 a walking Moai lead, you want to start your own Moai, you could sign that. You want to be a volunteer, you could go ahead and sign up as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. There's different activities. Like I said, you know, we're looking at starting purpose workshops and starting a pur uh, purpose Moai definitely would love to have a group of people who come together to discover their purpose. And so I have to ask you just a little bit more about that before we finish off right today. <laughs> so this, the, the purpose more would be to discuss as a community group, what it is that gives us individually drive. Is, can you explain to me a bit more? Yes, basically, that's what it is, you know, discover, and again, it's a Moai, it's a small group, five to eight people, we want to keep that intimacy, where you could continue to build those relationships. And so together, you will discover what your purpose is. And, you know, we're not the same person. We were 10 years ago, we've experienced different things, we've grown, we, you know, we've changed a bit, let's say. <laughs> and so our purpose in the way that we put that to work is going to be evolving. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, together you could continue to discover and evolve your purpose and how to apply it. How do I give back to my community? And we know that people who have a purpose, they tend to live seven years more than those who don't. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, I'm going to have to be thinking about that tonight. <laughs> yes. um, 
I, um, the other thing I just was, I just love your thoughts on is, you know, we've all been through this very stressful period of the last few years as we deal with COVID um, in our communities. I, I felt like I saw two things happening over that time. One was that people had more time and really were keen to be doing outdoor activities where they felt safer with less risk of um, getting in close contact with other people. And um, so that we had some hiking happening up here and a lot of people really appreciated and, and valued that opportunity. But the other thing I think I've, I've observed um, and I felt myself to some extent is because we were all told to, you know, minimize community connections in some ways, that led to a little bit of a lack of confidence for us individually in reconnecting. Um, how do you feel things are after COVID? It, it almost seems to me like your proposal right now and what you're working on fits very neatly with a need that we have right now after COVID. It really does. You know, when I came to work for Blue Zones Project, um, I was really excited for especially the walking moais, right? Because COVID really got us to stop talking to one another, right? If we did activities that were via Zoom or some type of uh, virtual application, um, people weren't gathering, we weren't socializing, so that got lost. And being, you know, we're social creatures, human beings. We thrive on being with each other, right? We, we want that. Um, and, you know, I've come to learn that being lonely is bad for our health. It's really bad. And so we need to, you know, to me, when I started doing the work and I've always talked to people in the community and, you know, I started hearing like, what can I do? I'm ready to get out there. How do I give back? It was perfect because this is what we want. We want to start socializing again, you know, um, we want people to get together and be able to, in a safe environment, of course, you're outdoors, um, you're minimizing the risk of spreading anything, and we're still following all the COVID guidelines, mm -hmm. everything. You know, being able to do something and give back, it really improves your life and the life of those people in our community. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I think that's a wonderful um thing to end on and I, I also just want to say Asusana I think I really see that you you seem to have connected with your purpose and I really appreciate that you're bringing that out to our community and we see the benefits of it thank you so much for joining me on the ecology hour this evening thank you Hannah for having me it's really exciting to be here and to share our work with everyone so thank you well, thank you so much to Azucena of the Blue Zones Project and Esme Placencia of Latino Outdoors. And we're going to hear more from Esme next month. A few links I wanted to share following these two interviews. Esme mentioned Mendocino Woodlands as a great place for a hike. You can find their website at mendocinowoodlands.org. This is a state park and you are not allowed to bring dogs there. Latino Outdoors can be found at latinooutdoors.com. Well, that's the end of the Ecology Hour for this week, but I do encourage you to go out and find a nice place for you to hike when it's not perhaps quite so hot. Thanks so much for listening. See you next month.
This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.